Hello, and welcome to Team Titans, the podcast focused on the stories of people with unique perspectives on work itself, leading teams, building tools, and defining or possibly destroying processes. I'm your host, Ryan Spilkin, and joining me on co-hosting duties today is Adaptivist's head of client services, Harp Athwal. Harp, how are you, sir? I am great. Thank you so much, Ryan. It is always a pleasure to spend time with you, sir, and uh, one day I hope that we get to do this again in uh, the city which you apparently run from behind the scenes, Toronto, (laughs) Ontario. I can't wait. Uh, For anyone who's not known, Ryan's come to Toronto before, and he's played an open mic night at one of the most historic locations in the city. Uh, We'll we'll do that again, right? I can't wait. And joining us today, and this is an incredible privilege, is Derek Sutton of the Sick Kids Foundation. Derek, thank you so much for joining us today to talk. Thank you very much, Ryan. Appreciate it. You have a fantastic case study that Atlassian has put forward and about the work that you've done um, providing services to the sick kids in Canada. And apparently... The three of us, Derek Harp and myself, have a bit of a of a connection in the city of Toronto's fine microbreweries because I am a tremendous fan of the Bellwoods microbrewery. So, so guys, Jelly, uh, Jelly King, the best beer or what? It is by far the best sour beer that you're going to find there you in go. the city. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I could not agree more with Derek. That beer was a game changer. And for a guy who loves dark beers and stouts, and then someone goes, hey, try this thing called a sour beer. Never look back. Oh, man. Wait, wakes up the taste buds. And you discovered this in microbreweries. And I guess a big part of building uh, the work between sick kids and adaptivists came around at the pub, huh? It did. Um way back when we were first years ago, um, searching for companies that we would, uh, that we could partner with when it came to Atlassian products. Um, ultimately we went with Adaptivist and part of what really cemented it was actually one of the first real visits before we even embarked on anything was at Bellwoods, um, you know, have a few drinks and subsequently back when, uh, we really could meet in person. So going back a few years, obviously, um, you know, we would go hit up to different places to, you know, to have a drink and talk about sort of our plans and things that we wanted to do. Well, Derek, let's let's step back for just a second and talk a little bit about Sick Kid, the Sick Kids Foundation. Tell us a bit about the work that Sick Kids does. Sure. Um, so Sick Kids Foundation is, uh, as the name would apply, a foundation supporting uh, the Hospital for Sick Children uh, located in downtown Toronto. Uh, and so Sick Kids Foundation is a separate organization from the hospital um, that raises funds for the hospital for all sorts of different things. We're right in the middle, actually, of a campaign uh, to raise one and a half billion dollars to actually rebuild um, Sick Kids Hospital. So some of that work has already started, um, but the hospital, the current iteration of the hospital was actually built in the 1940s. Um, with a lot of community sort of support uh, that kind of rallied around in order to to, to build what was needed back then. Um, And now uh, really 1940s sort of building technology is not really appropriate for sort of a a modern kind of cutting edge hospital. So um, that's where we've been raising a lot of capital funds 
to fund the the sort of the building of a new hospital, emergency rooms, and uh, uh, you know patient suites and things like that. Um, but we also support a lot of the research, sort of the groundbreaking research, things like CRISPR and stuff like that that folks may have heard of. Uh, a lot of groundbreaking research that happens um, uh, with the um, uh, with the research tower. Uh, so if you're in Toronto and you're coming down Bay Street, you'll see this big shiny building that says Sick Kids on it. That's actually the research tower. You have to go about a block over to see sort of the older building where a lot of the, the patient sort of stuff uh, takes place. Uh, and just about everybody um, in the city, if you have kids, has some sort of experience or affinity with sick kids, um, whether it's bringing your kid in because they've got a dislocated elbow or whether it's something really serious. So um, luckily, my own personal experience with it has been through pretty minor things. But I also uh, know a number of people whose kids have had some pretty serious run-ins with, you know, with cancer and things like that. Um, and that's kind of what Sick Kids the Hospital is all about. So we raise money for the hospital, not just for capital, uh, capital things, but for all sorts of things to fund research chairs, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, and we do it through a whole lot of different means. So for a charity that is sort of supporting something regionally, we actually have a pretty big diversity of the ways that we raise funds. So there's obviously mass market type of uh, type of things through sort of email campaigns and stuff like that. Um, purchasing um, sort of like products and goods and stuff like that to raise money. Uh, but we also do it through um, a lot of major gift donors. So those sort of naming rights. So the, the new patient, um, the patient care tower that is going to be constructed in just a couple of years, that's actually the Peter Gilgan Foundation because he donated $100 million to the foundation to support that, which is unbelievable. So, um, and then we have corporate donations. We do events um, from community events, which obviously in the last you know, 18 months have suffered a bit as a lot of those in-person things haven't happened um, and signature events that we run ourselves. So big galas and stuff like that to sort of raise money in the community. Um, all that stuff kind of comes together. Um, so we're really an organization, of, we're a fundraising organization supporting a hospital, but we've got, you know, four or five different sort of organizations within us that, um, uh, that, that perform that, that function. Amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about your team? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm in the, uh, what's called the BIIT team. So that's business intelligence and information technology. Um, so I am the really on the hard IT side. So my team is, so I'm the director for infrastructure and enterprise architecture. So what that means is everything to do with the infrastructure, the servers, whether it's on-premise, hybrid cloud, cloud, cloud-based platforms, that sort of stuff, all the networking stuff that goes on. Um, uh, I'm also responsible for security. So security and compliance. Um, and then what we call workplace productivity. So that's um, the platforms that we use to actually support our employees, which we'll definitely get into, um, as well as the um, technical support. So your traditional help desk uh, is part of my team. Uh, and so we do uh, all of that stuff. We sort of build, we are the foundation for IT at the foundation. And then we have other IT teams that handle the, um, the fundraising applications sort of themselves. Um, that's sort of the, the, I guess, the house on top of the foundation. And then we also have uh, an analytics group um, that helps to drive fundraising decisions, the way our campaigns run and things like that. That's sort of the, 
the, the three legs of the stool in BIIT for the foundation. Just a couple of things to keep track of, right, Derek? Just yeah, a just few. a few. Just yeah, a few. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Derek, I know uh, we've had a long history together. I just want to um, highlight, Ryan, that actually it's kind of cool. Prior to uh, me even joining Adaptivist, uh, I had worked with the Sick Kids Foundation for almost, uh, actually, from now, it's probably been about two decades now. Um, prior to joining Adaptivist, I was a tech consultant uh, and uh, in the IT area for a company called Artez. And that was the online, online fundraising platform. We had three clients in 2003, just to show how, you know, how much innovation Sick Kids Foundation has had for so long. Our first three clients that were going to try something called monthly donations um, was Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation, Kids Help Phone, and the Sick Kids Foundation. So that is ages ago. Wow. Um, it's funny, uh, about a maybe a three, four years into my career at Adaptivist, so about 2017, I actually got a, a note from our triage system where we got new opportunities. Uh, it was actually from Sick Kids Foundation. So Derek, I'm gonna see if you remember this, but here's the request that it came in. It literally verbatim, here at Sick Kids Foundation, we are looking to relaunch Jira. It has been used for some time, but we are looking at moving to the cloud version from on-prem, upgrading versions, looking at add-ons, and architecting for the foundation as a whole. Could someone please get in touch so that we can learn more about your service offerings and approach? So Derek, how do you think we've done since then? Uh, I would say uh, A plus. We've definitely accomplished everything laid out in that specific ask for sure. <laughs> um, what, what, um, Ryan, so one other thing, I, I know it's a bit, uh, of a relationship or a funnier story, but I remember going to the first meeting and though I know Derek, he also has a few colleagues, Chris and uh, Nina, we have a sales gentleman named Ben Watson and also our project manager, Alistair Wilkinson. So the three of us walked in and I know we talked a bit about the beer, but the funniest part that I remember back then was Ben was making sure he got everyone's coffee orders right. So to this day, I remember Grande Cafe Mocha, tall, double cappuccino with one sugar tall dark with one sugar and one cream i remember like ben's like i gotta get this right i gotta get this right so i don't know if you remember that derek but we we're like <laughs> that that's what i love about these relationships is those moments like that i do yes i remember ben walking in with that uh, i have subsequently stopped having the sugar in the coffee uh <laughs> but now i add in i always add in a shot of espresso to go with it right so always go for the red eye mm. oh there you go delightful <laughs> I gotta wonder if Ben remembers those still as well as you do, Harp, because I, I have I have my suspicions as to what the answer of that would be. <laughs> All right, so you you got in touch with us to relaunch Jira to talk about the cloud, see what you could do. What kind of pains were you experiencing at that point? So I've been with the foundation for I guess it's about for mm, almost four and a half years now. Um, so when I came in, I think they'd been using the on-premise version of Jira for probably a good five, six years at least. Actually, I think probably longer than that. Um, and that was really launched because they needed something. They didn't, everything was being done highly manual. Um, and so one thing that they'd done is they'd managed to sort of start to onboard some business users uh, to kind of run some of their processes through it, things like that. Um, and sort of when I came in, 
and kind of looked at it. Um, at that point, I really wasn't considering whether it was, you know, on-premise cloud. Obviously, cloud cloud is one of those things as a um, that we were looking for um, when I came on board as we were starting to sort of reconfigure the way that the whole BIIT organization kind of functioned and as we're kind of taking it to the future. Um, but first and foremost, the thing I was looking at was um, we were using this tool and it was functioning quite well, um, but we weren't really using it necessarily the way it was intended. So we were using sort of Jira software to kind of encompass everything. So some aspects of project management, but a lot of sort of task management and things like that. And um, a lot of my background in the years previous had really been in sort of ITSM. So a lot of that sort of service management type things um, really, um, and having the right tools kind of doing the right things for the right purpose. Um, and so one of the first things I asked was, so what are you using as an ITSM tool? They said, well, we're just, we're using Jira. And I said, okay, well, tell me about it. And I looked at it and I said, well, you're kind of using a software project management tool to kind of handle everything. Um, I said, we should probably take a look at that. Um, as it turns out, and that was just in my first couple months, um, there was a lot that I didn't know about everything at the foundation. So it took some time to really kind of take a look at that and realize where we were, where we were at. Um, a lot of stuff was still done very manually. Um, folks were either calling the help desk or just emailing help desk. And, um, and everything would have to be sort of categorized, thrown into these big projects and just sort of tracked that way. Um, there really wasn't much in the way of any sort of like a flow to anything. Um, and so everything kind of got sent to these sort of undifferentiated buckets. So the first thing that we wanted to do was figure out, well, we need to, first off, we need to, um, we need to upgrade it. Um, it had sort of gotten installed and then had sort of hadn't been touched for a while. So it was, it was no longer supported. So the very first thing that we actually worked with the activist on was we need to upgrade. Uh, which we did. Um, they helped us set up a whole staging environment for it. So we kind of test, start to test things out. And hey, lo and behold, with an upgrade, there was the service management. Um, I guess at that point, the service desk sort of module um, kind of came along with it. Um, and I kind of, you know, rubbed my hands and went, ah, great, excellent. We can, um, now we can start to look at, uh, at kind of setting up some proper service management. And we started looking into it. Um, with Adaptivist a bit, and we're doing several different things with Adaptivist, but one of the things we realized after the upgrade and after we started looking at sort of starting to launch the actual service desk piece of it, um, was that we also had probably 10 years worth of data just sort of hanging out. And if there's anything about a sort of a, any sort of a, a system implementation or migration or anything is getting the system set up and meeting your sort of technical specifications and functionality is one part. By far the hardest part, this sort of symphony of pain is when you decide, well, you know what, can I bring over all my data? Um, and I said, listen, we definitely don't want to do that. Um, we don't, we've got a fresh start here. We should start fresh. We can leave the old one as like an archive, as like a legacy to go back and look at stuff. But I don't want to bring over like a hundred gigs and ten years worth of worth of information um, into the new system because we're just going to be bringing all of our problems along with it. So, were, were you able to diplomatically ask how often they looked at things from ten years ago? 
Because that's often what I wonder in these situations. Um, I had, so it's one of those things where it's a lot less now. At the time, folks would really go back through it on a fairly regular basis to say, okay, everything we've got attached to a ticket and look back for sort of historical examples. Um, now that we're on the cloud version, which you know that we'll, we can talk about that that sort of journey a bit. Um, now it's we're really going back, say you know a year and a half ish, uh, which actually turns out, given some of the changes that we've made over the last few years, means the need to go back to look at the stuff from ten years ago is significantly less. It's nice to have just in case, um, but we find that we're actually having to do it a lot less for sure. Oftentimes, when the Atlassian suite is already established in a place, when you have um, administrators of other areas of the business who are looking to kind of find a new tool to really centralize their processes, somebody invariably pops up and says, hey, you know, we got Jira over here. And so someone maybe a little further down in the organization will go, yeah, well, spin me up a project. We'll have some fun. And then and suddenly it's being used everywhere. Right. So you, you, as if I'm hearing you right, people were using just vanilla Jira software to handle, but you didn't have to go with Jira service management or Jira service desk at the time. So you must have been, you, you seem like the kind of person who would be exploring your options. Tell us about the search. Yeah. So, I mean, I've worked with, you know, probably five or six different, um, I'll say sort of ITSM tools you know, from like ServiceNow to Computer Associates. I knew at the time, I think it was called Service Desk and um, a whole bunch of others um, over time. And so when I first looked at Jira software, I said, well, this isn't the right tool for this. And I thought, well, let's look at, look at some other things. And so part of that search was actually looking, doing a bit of research into, okay, um, I know of a bunch of different tools. We can kind of like stack them up and say, how, how, how might these work? Um, and I said, well, we're, we're using Atlassian tools right now. So let's take a look at this. Hey, they've got this service desk offering. So let's take a look at that. Um, and overall, it was pretty highly rated. Uh, and so definitely it was, uh, you know, we, we, we put that in the mix as we started to as we started to look, the thing that really sort of helped seal it was as we started to look at some of these things and the things that we could do with it. Part of it was the familiarity that people had with sort of the existing tools that we were using. Um, so that kind of made a made a big difference. I mean, I know it's the incumbent's advantage in many ways. Um, you know, the and the idea of that it's there, which meant that we could start to play around with it. So I think the setting up of that staging environment was actually very key for that. Now we have something where we can start to look around, start to play around with it, um, as, as opposed to just sort of starting completely sort of fresh with, the, you know, starting from zero with anything else. Um, and so we really kind of got to kind of get our, get our feet wet a little bit with the service desk on the on-premise version. And then when the time came to start looking at, okay, so maybe this is what we want to go with. It seems to make the most sense. It has everything that we're looking for. It's here already. Um, and we did ask the question at first, we're like, well, how about we, what about the cloud version? And at the time, um, a few years ago, one of the challenges was to say, well, most people actually, they maybe they use cloud, but eventually maybe they graduate 
to on-premise because you got all these add-ins. There's so much more functionality available. Um, and so, okay, so that's, it seems a little bit backwards that it would kind of function that way. Um, so we said, okay, well, let's, we'll look at kind of expanding and, and you know, going with the on-premise version. Uh, and as we kind of went down that a little bit more, we said, well, we'll always keep our options open and we'll kind of keep touch um, with, uh, with Adaptivist around, okay, well, what makes the most sense? Uh, and eventually when Adaptivist came to us and said, well, they now offer the sort of, I guess it's the community licensing, um, you know, discount pricing for, um, for nonprofits. And that was actually kind of the key for us. Okay. Now it became much more financially feasible for us to go for, for us to move into the cloud, um, and not have to worry about the servers and all, all that stuff kind of on premise moving forward. Um, and that's kind of what we finally said, okay, maybe we should just make this, this switch. Uh, and I'm glad we did because when Atlassian, I guess, finally kind of turned around and said, actually, we're going to kind of reverse it. And you know what? It's all going to be cloud from now on. We're like, oh, well, we're already there. Thank God. <laughs> so it, uh, it really, um, I thought it was, it, it really fit in with our kind of, my kind of long-term goals for the foundation in terms of getting things onto the cloud because it's much easier for everybody to be able to work from it if if that's where stuff is resident. Derek, hmm. I have a question for you. I, I know um, Ryan's got millions and millions of listeners to this podcast. And uh, of all of these millions, not all of them have had the experience that you know our vintage has had. Hmm. Um, when you when you mentioned that point about you know, everyone's using, you're using uh, Jira software, but you're looking at service desk, uh, you know, JSM, or you're looking at maybe ServiceNow or another, whatever it happens to be. Even though ultimately you chose uh, the Atlassian kind of, you know, tie-in product, um, would you still recommend everyone go through that journey? And if so, what was the key thing that you, you'd recommend that they do during that piece? Because that's that's a really important part that you actually went through that experience. So you didn't just go, okay, let me just go with the JSM because it's tied in. Um, I think the biggest, the, the most important thing is um, you don't want to work backwards from a solution. Um, and that's something I mean, it's kind of like technical sort of project management 101. Don't, don't start with a solution and work your way backwards kind of to requirements. Um, it's really a matter of thinking about what is it that you want to accomplish and what are the things that are most important to you. Most of these tools will give you the basics of kind of what you're looking for. Um, so from that sense, it's sort of like, okay, six of one, half a dozen of the other, but are there some differentiating factors that are important to you? Uh, and that's what you kind of have to look at. So um, when you figure out, so from a requirements perspective, what is it? Right. So um, ultimately, for us, it was uh, being in the cloud was crucially important. Yeah. Um, and then uh, familiarity was another part of it. So that that was part of that, like at that incumbents advantage, kind of I talked about, which a lot of organizations will have. Most are not kind of starting from starting from scratch for a lot of this sort of stuff. Um, but really, it's a matter of figuring out, you know, what are some of the kind of differentiating factors for you, um, and then looking at how some of the tools might sort of map out to those. Because um, each one, while they do the basics, they also um, do some things kind of slightly differently. 
Um, and you have to figure out also how does your organization, um, how does your organization kind of map onto that? We were sort of, I'll say kind of lucky in the sense that we didn't really have a lot of kind of hard and fast kind of ITSM processes because we were just using a tool where everything kind of got thrown into some buckets, right? Um, so the way that um, uh, the way that the Atlassian sort of JSM works with your sort of distinct service desks and stuff like that really sort of um, was a lot easier for us to kind of move to. Some organizations like things to be super, super centralized, um, but we didn't, uh, we really couldn't do that. Well, my team kind of does, I'll say the traditional help desk function. The fact is we don't have a large enough team to have people that are simply dedicated to sitting around and directing tickets. So having the ability to have different service desks where tickets could be, as long as people could find the right place, they don't always get it right and that's fine. But the fact is having things directed immediately to the service desk that matters. So someone's got an issue with one of the fundraising applications or CRM or the website or something like that. Things like that can be directed immediately to the team that is going to be working on it and they can see it and they can set up their own notification schemes and things like that so that certain things, certain types of tickets, immediately they get notified and they understand kind of what's going on. Um, kind of made a big difference. It was is kind of one of our biggest wins in terms of efficiency. So it wasn't a case of I'm emailing help desk. And now when help desk gets around to seeing it and saying, okay, they emailed it, it automatically logged this kind of ticket. Now I've got to look at it and figure out, oh, this isn't us. This actually belongs here or it belongs there. Um, so people would find that kind of the most efficient way for them to get support was just to email people on IT directly, which is absolutely what you don't want, right? You want everything to kind of come through a centralized portal um, and then you want to try and split these things up as efficiently as possible. So this really kind of allowed us to do that, I think, in, um, in a really good way. So now we've got different service desks that are managed and kind of owned by the owners there to, to, to run the way that they want um, and the way that functions best for them. Um, it was one thing that I had to sort of, I'll say, kind of give up a little earlier in the adoption process, which was to say, it's okay if these different IT service desks want to run their service desks differently, they don't have to all run exactly the same. An issue here is not the same as an issue there. A request here is not the same as a request there. So it's okay to let those things run separately because that's fine. We're not looking, you know, we're not a, um, I don't know, we're not Accenture, you know, <laughs> so that's okay. Yeah. I really actually like this, this, this bit that you've, you've come to Derek. Um, you tell me a little bit about when the the click switched over and you realized that was the way to go because they all had a central location. So tell me what made it what finally flipped the switch. Uh, so kind of what made me think uh, to kind of let go a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I do come from um, you know prior to the foundation, I was in pharmaceuticals um, and everything much more regulated, right? And Just process. Yeah. Process is, is, is king and documenting that process. So now, which is not to say the process is not important, but it's okay if the process is a little bit different. Somebody that is having an issue with a CRM system is different than somebody having an issue with their laptop. Their expectations are a little bit different. Um, and it was really, as we were starting to roll it out, the big thing that I was trying to do with some of the other teams in building their service desks was trying to keep it as simple as possible. 
So some were trying to kind of over-engineer it a bit, way too many fields, too many different request types, and a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, and so I was able to convince them to sort of keep it a little bit more simple because uh, you're just, you're going to make it really hard on yourself later on if you want to make some changes to it, right? You've got all these like super granular things could be confusing for people. Um, but then once, once all that was kind of settled um, and they started asking questions about, well, here's what we're finding really with the, uh, the key was the real world experience. As things started to roll in and we started to realize what am I seeing in the technical support like help desk service desk versus the infrastructure service desk versus the applications versus analytics and so on. Um, and what are those customers expecting in terms of as they're seeing it, right? And that was kind of the thing that made me say, okay, we can do these differently. Um, and that's gonna be that's gonna be okay. It's okay if when we say report out to say, here's kind of what our stats look like, those stats are gonna look different. And it's actually not that big a deal. You know, this stuff isn't going back to Health Canada or the FDA or something like that, right? Um, this is really just for ourselves. And so if each service desk is operating efficiently and making changes um, to operate efficiently, then it makes sense to kind of keep it, um, keep it within there and let them make some. And the changes haven't been dramatic. It's really just a case of, hey, we're finding this request type doesn't really work. You know what? Let's do one this differently. Let's modify this. And so that's kind of what we've been doing is it's kind of, kind of burned in uh, for the past bit. Uh, and so I think it's operating really well right now. Harp, tell us a little bit about the way that Adaptivist's teams came together with the Sick Kids teams and how they got along working on the service management piece and the cloud migration bit. Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, my favorite part of this relationship there's been a number of people that have worked with Derek and his team over the years. And the part that I'm most proud of is that it does feel like a true partnership, like in the truest sense of that word partner, like we collaborate together, we challenge each other, like we're working side by side. So we, we build this trust. We're not just doing the thing, right? We're learning from each other. And the more we challenge, the more we learn, the bigger that trust gets, right? So whether it was that initial upgrade um, as we moved forward to all the amazing areas that uh, uh, Derek has spoken about moving, you know, JSM being on the cloud or in the future, things with Ops Genie, whatever it is, it feels like there's a real conversation always happening. Uh, I know Mark Cuban, I, I'm a huge Raptors fan, right? All, all cards on the table, go Toronto Raptors. Um, but uh, Mark Cuban, he's like the, uh, he's the owner of the, the Cavs and I may butcher this, but he, I remember him saying business happens year after year and that the value is measured, measured by the total upside and not by how much you squeeze out of a deal. I don't think over the course of any of the work that we've done, we've ever been trying to squeeze anything out of this deal. We're really looking at how do we make this partnership um, long lasting, adding value, making sure that Derek and the team, the amazing work that they're doing, the amount of kids that are being saved, that's our, that's our focus. And when we look at our team that contributed to this, there's a guy named Vitor Fergoso. He's got two young kids. He really wanted to be part of this project, right? It wasn't because, oh, I want to be part of this project because of this or this. He's like, this foundation has helped save lives and I've got two young kids that this really impacts. And when you look at the rest of the team, I'm not, unfortunately, I won't be able to I start naming names and people are going to be, you know, like I'll miss someone. So I won't, but 
there's so many amazing people that have worked with the team. Uh, but I will call out one thing that uh, Rodolfo said. So Rodolfo Romero is one of our senior consultants. And this part was um, quoted in the Elastian case study too. So he said, we look at cloud migrations not as a transfer of the way that we work on premise, but as an opportunity to rethink all the service management processes and procedures that you have implemented. Having the opportunity to reshape the way our clients work is what excites me to work with the Elastian Solutions every day and help teams work better together with tools that empower them. I think when you when you hear what Rodolfo said there, it's really from day one, it's always about the right thing. It's not about using doing it this way because it's prescribed that way. It's having that conversation, having that partnership, trusting each other, and, and ultimately adding the type of value that the, that we're seeing as part of this. Derek, digital transformations like this, moving processes is from originally an on-premise Jira software instance to the cloud service management experience. That's more than just clicking some buttons and moving some data. There have to be some points in here where people start getting a little too frazzled or, or something kind of goes off the rails. So tell us a little bit about a, a moment during this process that you were like, oh, come on. <laughs> I'll relate back to one thing that Harp said, which was around being able to sort of challenge a bit. Um, and I think that was really something that was beneficial to kind of get through, sort of help me, I will say, kind of challenge my conceptions of how it would work. Because like I said before, I've had some um, experience with a lot of different products, right? And JSM actually functions differently. And we kind of talked a bit about that, right? Um, it wasn't the way I was used to sort of setting up an ITSM tool. So when I was sort of drafting out the way it was going to be set up, I had this wonderful elaborate series of spreadsheets talking about request types and all this sort of stuff. It was, it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> and um, yeah, the adaptivist team was happy to sort of look at that. We talked through it and we were looking at, well, maybe we got some like automation. So something gets logged like this, it goes over here and this and that, which was sort of the way I've been used to doing some things. Um, but then um, Adaptivist sort of said, well, hold on a second. This isn't really the best way for this to work. And we had to kind of talk through it a bit. And I remember having conversations with, with Rodolfo about it, sort of around the JSM way that, um, that that it functions versus a traditional service now, something like that. And it was through those conversations that I actually came to realize that a lot of those other products really function best in an organization that has sort of that single dedicated point of contact, a group whose job is to sit there and say, okay, I just got a ticket. I'm going to now spawn one over here for the networking team and over here for the security team and whatever it happens to be versus things routing directly to the teams that uh, should be responsible for, for managing it. Um, so I think that was kind of the piece and it sort of, I kind of stopped and went, okay. And as I started to rethink, it kind of changed the whole way that we were going to roll this out. Um, and so I got to go back to the other teams and say, Okay, so this whole wonderful complicated scheme that we had, um, it's not going to work. Or you know what? It probably will work for a, about a month, and then <laughs> we'll have to make a change. And then I, you know, and then I'm going to be calling up the activists and saying, "So um, we don't really know enough about the scripting on this. Can you help us out with this?" And then it's just, I mean, hey, 
from adaptivist perspective, theoretically, great. This is going to be an ongoing engagement where they're just going through it. Just we're going to pay them to make change after change after change after change. But they knew that that wasn't the right way for it to function. Um, and so we kind of changed the whole thing. Uh, and that's kind of led to one of the things that I think has really been important throughout the relationship um, is it's not about just sort of, well, we'll take your money, spend some time and here you go. Uh, here's here's the, the product or whatever it is that you're looking for. Sure, it kind of starts out that way as we kind of start to build something, but really it comes down to um, if you set it up this way, it's going to be simpler, it's going to be easier to manage and you're going to manage it. And that's really what we managed to get to. So uh, this one of the great things is that um, adaptivists have been eager to help out sort of as much or as little as we've needed. Uh, so it kind of waxes and wanes a little bit as sort of as our needs do. Um, and so we never, I don't know exactly where it's always gonna go in terms of exactly what we're looking for. Um, well, I mean, I have an idea, but um, <laughs> but we, uh, but it's really been helpful in that we've been able to sort of take this instance and really manage it ourselves, make some of those changes, make some of those updates, set up a new service desk, and we can go back and sort of kind of do a sanity check, say, has something changed? Does this make sense? Um, and they sort of keep us, um, kind of keep us honest in that regard, as well as keeping us apprised of changes that are coming from the Atlassian side. Um, say, listen, here's where you may need to consider upgrading to the premium tier, for example, because that's how you're going to get some of the stuff you're looking for from options. We start to look at asset management and some of those sorts of things. You know, these are the things that we're really kind of um, keeping in contact about. So even if there's not a ton that we've done actively in the last, say, you know, like few months, uh, the fact is that there are more things that, uh, you know, that we're looking at that are going to make a real difference for us. There. This is all great. The the stories of adaptivists and sick kids coming together to provide uh, excellent service to you and your team is wonderful. But what I'd love to hear more about is how your team is able to help sick kids mission by moving to by by doing your upgrade, moving to cloud, transforming your organization with JSM. What have you been able to deliver for sick kids? Well. So one of the interesting things about being uh, on a support team at the foundation, not being a, a fundraising team directly, is that we sort of indirectly support all those different kind of fundraising teams and the work that they do. Um, I would say the biggest thing is with the pandemic and with the move to working remote, we've been working completely remote for, well, since March, 2020. Um, one of the things that I was aiming to do when I first came into the organization was to enable people to be able to kind of work from anywhere. The organization wasn't there yet, not even close. Um, but I still, it was still something I really wanted to push for because I knew that there were big benefits for, for people being able to work from it. Even if you're in the office right now, the fact is increasing amounts of work are taking place when you're at home or when you're out or whatever it happens to be, right? Even if culturally the organization isn't quite prepared to acknowledge it. Um, and so it's something that we really kind of pushed for. And I'd say this was one of the major sort of elements of that. 
because one of the challenges for folks um, accessing a system that's on-premise is, well, okay, now I've got to connect to my VPN and I got to go through that and connect to it and do this and do that. Um, and so therefore I need to be on my computer. I need to, all these different sort of uh, reasons that make it challenging for people uh, to be able to connect, uh, to connect from your phone, from whatever it happens to be, right? Yep. So I would say a biggest, big change is that by introducing this, people are no longer tied down to, well, I need to be on my computer, need to be on VPN to, in order to be able to kind of connect log tickets and um, in order to get assistance. Um, so we've kind of liberated um, folks in, in many regards from that. Some folks still need to use our legacy system for some things that we're currently migrating them onto the cloud version. Um, but they're eager to do it because they're like, yeah, I want to get off. Of, I want to get off of having to do that. I want to be able to get an update on my ticket from my phone uh, and see what's going, uh, see what's happening, to be able to sort of report a problem kind of from anywhere, uh, those sorts of things. So I think it's made a difference. I think it's definitely made a difference from a um, from an efficiency standpoint. Uh, I know one thing that was mentioned in the um, uh, in the case study was sort of the reduction in volumes of emails directly for assistance, right? So the number of emails coming into help desk for stuff has dropped off to, to practically nothing. I think we said something like 95% reduction. It's probably more than that. Uh, trying to account for it. There are other emails that, you know, that fly around. People, you know, people can, they will. Of course. Um, but, you know, we direct people to the portal and because it's easy to use, because it can work from sort of kind of any device, then it, um, it makes it a lot easier for people um, it's good. It's secure. So um, I think we're providing better service to our fundraising teams um, so that they can then raise the money that we need in order to in order to fund the hospital. Yeah, we kind of started earlier in the conversation about the emails coming in, just directly emailing people that you know down at the help desk. That is a dangerous place to be. And uh your team being so consistent with directing people to that portal. That's amazing work, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. And supporting the mission is really all that matters. Harp, I know you are, uh, you're, you're really involved in community building activities. You work with all sorts of organizations on your own time, just because that's the kind of guy you are. So I'd like you to tell us, I'm going to read this quote from you. And then I just want to let you talk about it for a second. So everyone, Harp Athwal says, transformations don't just have to be digital. Kids' lives are being transformed by Sick Kids Foundation's work. And that's why this partnership works so well. There's something bigger that we're working toward. Harp, what is that? Um, I think it's true for, for Derek. I think it's true for you, Ryan. Uh, I believe it's true for myself, too, is that we want to leave this world better than we got it. Um, so I know when we come to work, um, digital transformation is fun. Right? Like we, we enjoy seeing these tangible changes happening. And at Adaptivist, I know, you know, we are a team of amazing people that are, you know, the biggest and best. Let's go with this Atlassian partner, right? At the end of the day, though, no amount of talking about people process tools are going to bring back a lost loved one. Right? So it's really cool to be able to apply this knowledge, you know, of those areas. And somehow know that we're contributing to like a longer, a happier, a healthier life for someone. So for me, I think that's the most important transformational impact that we're making here is, uh, you know, the work that Derek and the foundation are doing. It's amazing work. 
they do it day in, they do it day out. And, uh, you know, on behalf of Adaptivist, I'm just proud that we can be a part of it. Derek, thank you so much. This has been really fantastic. Before we let you go, I have to know, what does the future hold for your team and the Sick Kids Foundation? And specifically, what gets you the most excited in the future? Most excited. Wow. So the things that get me most excited is really um, on the whole for the foundation is as we move towards the kind of the final stages of our big fundraising campaign and actually completing that and kind of putting into place kind of our strategic plan sort of for the next five years and seeing what the kind of gigantic ambition that the foundation has as a whole. And the thing that really excites me about it is um, our last strategic plan, digital, as we'll just call it kind of generically, um, sort of had a, a little piece, a little slice in terms of the strategic plan, kind of, kind of closeted away under sort of exemplary workplace infrastructure, that sort of thing. The thing that really gets me excited is that in our upcoming strategic plan, sort of digital is a primary pillar an enabler of everything that we're trying to do. So as we try to achieve sort of transformational fundraising growth, as we try to achieve sort of higher and higher benchmarks in terms of what we're raising for the hospital, the different ways that we're doing it, um, digital and sort of IT analytics and all that stuff really plays a really central role. So not just my team, but the applications team, the analytics team all play really big parts in that. Um, and so as we look to see how are we going to sort of transform some of the existing applications and things that we use um, to really kind of realize that goal, um, as we work with the business, as they get more and more kind of comfortable with some of these new ways of doing things and seek to maybe transform some of the things that they do, being able to work with them. The thing that excites me is I don't know where all of it's going. I can predict a few things. But ultimately, a part of it's a little bit unknown, but not in sort of a terrifying way, but in a really exciting way. As people, as the whole organization starts to realize what the real kind of potential and promise of kind of moving the, what digital transformation can give you, and we start to see some of that take hold, um, to see where, where that leads is really just, is, is hugely exciting for me. And that's it for this episode of Team Titans. Harp, my friend, thank you so much for joining me to speak with Derek today. Absolute pleasure, Ryan. And Derek Sutton, the Director of Infrastructure and Enterprise Architecture at the Sick Kids Foundation, thank you so much for joining us as well. It was a real pleasure. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you, Harp. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for this episode of Team Titans, part of the Adaptivist Live podcast network of shows. Share this podcast and give us a little review if you have a moment. We'd sure appreciate it. We'll see you next time.